Good morning, Cap City Church. We're going to go ahead and invite you to have a seat this morning. I'm Pastor Jonathan. I'm so thankful that you've decided to join us uh, for worship today. Uh, this is a great place to be, and if you are new, visiting for the first time or the second time, um, and you haven't had a chance to share some information with us via our, our bulletin or our connection cards, we'd love to get to know you. So if you fill that stuff out, um, we'd love for you to stop at the Welcome Center on the way out. We have a free gift for you. Um, this really is a great place to be. We're so excited to be able to be part of your celebrating the Christmas season. Uh, Christmas is only two weeks from today. Can you believe that? Uh, just two weeks from today. Um, so we want to remind you uh, that we are having church on Sunday, Christmas Sunday morning at 1030, just like regularly scheduled. A lot of people have questions about what the holiday schedule looks like in the church, and it's pretty simple. We'll just be here for church on Sunday morning. We'll have communion. Um, so we'd love for you and your family to make some time during that Christmas weekend uh, to celebrate uh, the Lord's birth and everything that goes along with that. Um, we do have a few announcements for you. That's why we had you go ahead and have a seat. Um, there's some things you can look for at the Welcome Center on your way out today if you haven't already. Um, there's a flyer here that says the world awaits, and that's talking to you a little bit about our Advent offering. Again, Advent talks about expecting or things to come. And so basically a Christmas offering for our missions department um, that oversees all of our mission work um, globally, uh, wherever we have people going to all ends of the earth. Um, so it's just kind of an extra offering, a, a Christmas gift to the church. Um, I've always loved that uh, I, I've been around some pastor friends that say, try to remember the church when you think about Christmas gifts and, and as you give. Um, so the envelopes to give to that are in the back of a lot of the chairs. You can find information at the Welcome Center, or you can go to our website and always uh, mark your giving as such. Um, we've got a baptism today. Isn't that great? Yeah. This is, our, this is our fourth baptism in the last five weeks, and I can't tell you how excited I am that someone else has made a decision for, to pass from death unto life. That's what's happening when we baptize in Jesus' name. Um, this is also a, a very exciting Sunday and season for us because we're continuing our Thrive Group. If you're new to our church, we want you to understand that we truly believe that you need to be connected to community. You weren't meant to live life alone. I, I truly believe that one of Satan's greatest strategies for your life 
is to isolate you or to make you feel alone. The Christian faith was meant to be lived out in community. There's so much, we want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your faith's not supposed to be personal. It's supposed to be lived out with brothers and sisters and friends and family. And so if you look over here to my left, your right, um, we've got 12 different new offerings uh, for, for this upcoming, what we're calling semesters. A lot of what we're doing is following school semesters. So uh, we have a bunch of new classes, groups that are starting the first week of January. We have new teachers, we have different subjects. Um, you can go over and pick whichever one you want. And, and if you were in one class last semester with one teacher, you can try another teacher, you can try a different subject. Um, but we really want to continue to grow in this. On Wednesday nights alone, we had over 120 people, including kids, coming to groups. Yeah. That's a big deal, but we've added other classes, and we want you to at least give it a try. Um, though our semester runs for about 12 weeks, you can come and try out a class, so feel free to sign up and at least get some more information and check out those tables. Um, something you'll see at those tables um, is, I didn't want to drop that one, just the other two. Um, <clears throat> you'll see a, uh, uh, basically a, a card here that says, right now media on it. And these are at all of our tables until they run out. There's also some at the Welcome Center. We want to really encourage you to pick one of these up. And there's instructions on how to download the app. You can scan a QR code or follow the instructions if you're not sure how QR code works. Um, we sent an invite to this that will come to your email box today to a lot of you if we had your email addresses right. But essentially what Right Now Media is, is it's a free gift, uh, a Christmas gift, gift, if you will, from the church to our members, to our visitors, to our guests. And when you get on Right Now Media and check it out, um, you can make it an app on your smart TV um, that has all types of Christian programming and shows, especially for the kids, but over 10,000 different Bible studies. I have friends that use it for their devotions. Um, I've heard stories of people that were, that were considering killing themselves and turned on a Right Now Media video and it saved their life. People whose marriages were in shambles and said they picked a marriage uh, series and watched it with their husband or wife and it helped restore their marriage. It's an incredible resource what we're giving you access to. Um, there's, no, there's no gimmick. It's not, I mean, we're certainly not, we don't sell stuff in the church. Um, this is a gift to you um, and we want you to check it out, um, not just for your own personal growth, but we're going to begin using it in various ways throughout the church for different groups. I know one of the groups that you'll sign up for will use this video. Um, but it is such an awesome resource for your spiritual growth, um, and the church wants you to have this um, as a gift from us, and we'll talk more about that in the upcoming weeks, but um, just grab one of these cards. All the instructions that you need to uh, sign up for that will uh, be here. So um, anyhow, we just sang about joy, unspeakable joy. And as I was sitting there uh, listening to that, I thought, you know, I, I believe that there's a lot of times that we come into church and we might begin to sing a song like that and say, you know, my week wasn't filled with joy. There were some hard things. There were some things people don't understand. It's easy for somebody to say, I should just be full of love and joy and peace and patience. Um, but church, I'll just, I'll just have to, I think I'm going to shoot straight with you here this morning. And I know this is kind of some tough preaching and I'm not the preacher this morning. We'll let him preach in a few minutes. But it's always there. We just, we get to looking at other things. Does that make sense this morning? When we look to Jesus, there's always love. There's always joy. There's always peace. There's always patience. 
we get our eyes fixed on lesser things. And I want to encourage you this morning, as we continue in a time of worship, that you would fix your eyes on Jesus. That you would look full into his glory, into his face. That you would understand that he's there for you. I've told you before that if there's a version of Jesus that you don't like, if there's a version of Jesus that seems mean or angry or judgmental, you haven't met the Jesus that I know. You've got a bad perspective of Jesus. Maybe someone's given you the wrong perspective of Jesus. But the Jesus who saved me from my sins, he loves you. He wants you to have joy. He wants to have you to have peace. He's standing on the front porch waiting for you to return. He doesn't stand ready to judge you, but to wrap his arms around you and give you life and life more abundantly. Would you stand this morning? I want to pray for you as we continue into a, a wonderful time of worship. Man, they've got such a great set. I pray that you would just open your hearts and lift your eyes to Jesus this morning as you sing these words and worship him with all of your being. Father, we thank you this morning that we are invited into your presence, that we don't have to invite you because we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that we would lift our voices, that we would lift our hearts, that we would lift, lift the innermost parts of our being, God, that we would lift our struggles, our hardships, our pain. God, that we would surrender them all to you. Oh, God, I pray that you would help someone lay their burdens down this morning at the feet of Jesus. God, that they would know that there's hope and life and peace in you. God, receive our praise this morning, for you alone are worthy to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray.
from the moment that I wake up until I lay in my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God.
God, we just thank you for all that you do and all that you are, Lord. You are so good, Father. And we are so unworthy of it, Lord. God, my prayer now is that just as we go from worshiping you in song to worshiping you in your word, God, that God, you would just continue to pour out your spirit over this place. God, I pray hearts would be changed lives would be transformed. And God, we lift up Pastor Jacob this morning. God, my prayer is that you would just speak through him, that it would just be clear that it is you speaking through him. Open our hearts, open our mind, open our ears to what he has, trusting that it's from you. God, help us to just leave better than when we came in this morning. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Capital City Church. How's everybody doing today? Come on. Seriously, that's all you got? There you go. Uh, here's a thought I want to challenge you with. If, if our worship has the potential to drive out and cast out demons and to lift up a glorified God. Uh, imagine what you could do if you were excited in church on Sunday, right? And so we're excited to be here today. Uh, apologize the, uh, we'll get there. Um, but those are some of the illustrations we're going to be talking about. But we're going to be talking about light today um, as we continue the Advent season. And remember, we talked about how Advent means the anticipation of what is to come. What are you anticipating or what are you excited or what are you looking for God to do in your life? Did you come to church today to hear a fresh word from God? Did you come today to be encouraged and enlightened and empowered by the word of God? If you came anticipating those things, you will leave here with more than you came. But if you came here as like just another routine day, you can't really expect God to work when you just don't, maybe you don't want to be here today. But I believe that God has a word for us. But we all understand this idea of anticipation, right? I remember when I was a small child uh, and Christmas Eve would roll around and I'd have a hard time getting to sleep because I was so excited about Christmas. I was excited about the presents. I was excited about what was to come. And I remember oftentimes when I was a little boy, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my parents didn't know this, right? But you would wake up in the middle of the night, and you wouldn't turn any lights on because you didn't want to wake anybody, and, and you'd just maybe go sit in the living room. Maybe you were trying to capture Santa, or maybe you were just waiting for daylight to come so you could open the presents. You were anticipating what was to come. 
And you were looking for the moment when you could go in and wake your parents up. And if it was anything like my family, I would go in and I would nudge my dad. He would roll over and ignore us for 20 minutes. Like most, and I understand it more now as a father, right? Like, go back to sleep, kid. It's 5 a.m. And then he would wake up. He'd put his robe on. He'd brush his teeth. He'd make a cup of coffee. And so another 20 minutes go by. And we're just anxiously anticipating what was to come. We were excited. We were excited to be able to turn the lights on in the house and open all our presents. And then once all of our presents were open, we were excited for daylight to come so we could go outside and play. We've all been there. We've all had moments where we've anticipated the light. And maybe you say, well, Jacob, that doesn't really relate to me. But maybe you're one of those people who wake up at 3 a.m., at night, and you're laying in bed, and you don't know why you're awake, and you're staring at the ceiling, and it's dark, and you're wondering, Lord God, when will daylight break so I can get about my day? There's something about that morning light that refreshes your soul, and you anticipate the light. You're looking for it because you know that it brings healing and encouragement and hope of a new day, right? Or maybe you struggle with seasonal depression. The days are shorter, the nights are longer, it's cold, it's dreary, nothing seems to be going your way, and you're craving those long summer days where the sun just warms your soul and you feel complete. But we all know what it's like to crave and anticipate the light. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, understanding that Jesus is the light of the world. And, and sometimes we teach that to our children. Speaking of which, that is where Pastor Jonathan is. He is serving in our children's ministry today. Yeah, right? It's a big deal. We don't just say we value children. We take our best lead staff member and say, hey, let's serve in the children's ministry. Children matter. Children matter. But we all understand, and we all understand the, the desire and the anticipation for the morning light, for the light that, that soothes our soul and kind of wakes us up and makes us feel alive. We're going to be in John 1, 4 through 9. John 1, 4 through 9. And maybe you're familiar with it. But I want to really kind of Put some stuff into your head about this idea of light. But in John 1, 4 through 9, Scripture says this. Actually, I'm sorry, just 4 and 5 will just be the passage. Just two verses. The Word gave light, the Word gave life to everything that was created. And life brought light to everyone. In other words, life enlightened everyone. Brought light, enlightenment. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love this particular passage of Scripture, because in verse 5 it says that the darkness can never extinguish it. But if you read different translations, and I'm sure there's some of you out there that says, well, my Bible doesn't say that. And so your Bible might say uh, the light 
can't, the darkness can't be extinguished. It might say that the darkness can't comprehend it. It might say that the darkness can't master it or the darkness can't overcome it. The general consensus and the general idea behind the, the story here is that darkness, hear me when I say this, darkness never wins out unless we allow it to. Jesus will always prevail if we make room for him, if we let him take control. And I love it because it says, you know, darkness can't comprehend it. Can we, I mean, if you think for a moment, we can't really comprehend light. Now, I can comprehend that, you know, I turn this on and there's some lights that come on and we can comprehend this. We can comprehend maybe the science or or the mechanics of it. But I want you to understand something about light. The, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. You can't comprehend something that moves that fast. And I'm here to tell you that not only does light move that fast, but when God spoke light into existence and said, let there be light, it was instantaneous. There was no delay. But I would also challenge you that when God wants to speak into your life, in a moment, he can change everything. He can move. He can direct us. He can heal us. He can guide us. But, but what if this idea became kind of a battle cry against the darkness? What if we began to speak this over our lives when we feel depressed and when we feel anxious and when we're laying in bed at 3 a.m. in the morning and we're tossing and turning and we're looking for hope and we're wondering why we feel this deep, dark despair? What if we just continued to say, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot master it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. No matter what, I will prevail. I will prevail because the light that lives within me is the light of an eternal God. You see, there's so much power in the God we serve. A God who, cre a God who can create something that moves at 186,000 miles per second is still the same God who desires to come to your rescue. And he's coming at light speed. He's coming for you. And he loves you and he cares about you. I love the song that we sang. It says, never going to let me down. He's the king of my heart. He's never going to let you down. But you need to keep speaking this truth over and over. You see, I think sometimes the struggle with the Christian walk is we spend the whole week in darkness. With the word of God closed. And then we come on Sunday looking to what? To be enlightened to the things of God. You come to be enlightened to the things of God. And so maybe you leave and you're more encouraged than when you came. But then the darkness of the night comes. And you fall into a pit of despair again. I talk about this often with, with pastors. You want to know the hardest day for pastors usually? Mondays. We come in, we're prepared, we deliver a message, 
And it's like Monday rolls around and the enemy wants to throw every bit of darkness and despair and deceit on us on Monday. So if you want to pray for pastors, pray on Mondays especially. But you see, we come looking to be enlightened. And so I'm going to take you through a journey of different scripture passages today. You don't have to keep up with all of them. They'll be here on the screens if you want to write them down. They're good verses to write down because here's the power of the word of God. You can speak it into your life and it brings life and light and it gives you strength for the day. And so this will be a handful of passages that will help encourage you. But John 8, 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I want to challenge you today. Are you walking in darkness? And you say, well, Jacob, I don't know really what you're talking about. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. You ever have those dark thoughts? And you think, man, that's not right to think. I shouldn't think that about my, my neighbor or my friend. Maybe you have a darkness that creeps into your heart. Maybe a bitterness. Maybe an anger. Maybe it's just this overwhelming, pressing down anxiety that just robs you of your joy from day to day. God has more for you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you salvation. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I love it because Jesus never tiptoed around it. He says, I'm the light of the world. Like, if you're walking in darkness, if you're struggling, if you're, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, I'm the answer. Follow me, and I'll lead you safely where you need to go. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. You have to be intentional with it. John 3, 18 through 21, and this picks up right after the, the most famous verse in the Bible, I think, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? Like, we, we know that passage, but we often don't keep reading. But it picks up a verse or so later and it says, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. God is not a God who casts out judgment. It's not his desire to throw around judgment. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And so we struggle a little bit with that, and you're like, so that's the only way? Jesus is the only way? Yeah, he is. But here's, here's the absolute good news of how this works out. Verse 19 says this, and the judgment is based on this one fact. God's light, or God's son Jesus, he came into the world, but the world loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. You see, God loved us enough to send his son to lead us out of darkness and out of captivity and out of bondage. And so when we say, does God, people ask really foolish questions, right? Why would a good God send people to hell? He didn't. He sent his only son to light the way to heaven and you willingly chose the darkness. That's painful. 
The painful reality is wherever you spend eternity is a result of a decision you made to either pursue the light or to continue in darkness. And we would rather blame God and say, well, God did this. God didn't do it. You were already, we as a society, we as a people, we as a world, were thrust into darkness when Adam and Eve sinned. We were thrust into darkness because of sin. And Jesus wandered through the darkness of humanity and said, I will lead the way, but you have to follow. But scripture says here, the people loved darkness more than light. Jesus enlightened the world to their condition, and the world rejected it. That's the truth of the story. You say, you know, why are there evil things in the world? Because we live in a world dominated by sin and darkness. This is not our home. This is not the, in, the ideal environment. God has a plan to restore and pull us out of this environment. And he sent Jesus to light the way. But we have to follow. The reality is we don't want to... Here's the, the reality is we don't want to admit... That we love darkness more than light. We think we're generally good people. But to truly follow Jesus, at some point we have to come to the reckoning that we're not good people. We are lost people with dark intentions. And if we're not intentionally pursuing God and pursuing good, we will fall prey to our darknesses. We don't want to admit that we have grown comfortable in the dark. So here's four things. And here's just the breakdown of, of all reality, I suppose. We lived in darkness. God is light. He sent Jesus to enlighten us. Now what will we choose? What will you choose? What will I choose? We have to make a choice. And those choices are on us. The question today is, will you reject the light of life? It's interesting. A, a light bulb, Have you, you always uh, see when people have ideas, right? And, and you maybe watch a cartoon and, some, and a, a cartoon would have an idea and they'd be like, oh, light bulb, idea, right? I got an idea. And the light bulb would light up over their head. And it would trigger something that's, that something's wrong or a way to fix something. You see, Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was sent and the word of God was written for one reason. So that light bulb would go off in your head and go, oh, maybe I'm not on the right track. Maybe you're walking in darkness and the light bulb goes off and go, ah, maybe that's not the right way to go. Maybe you need to turn around. You see, some of us, though, has, have dampened the light bulb. We've disconnected the light bulb from its source. So we're short-circuiting a little bit. Our conscience, the scripture says that our conscience is seared. 
it's, it's not being triggered by the things it was once triggered by. God's been convicting me of this lately. There were things that I used to say, well, I'm not going to watch that. And now all of a sudden they've creeped back into my life and, and I'm watching those things and God says, you never used to watch that. And I said, you're right, Lord, I need to change that again. You see, if we stay connected to the Lord, he will continue to trigger things in our minds to draw us back to him. But when the light bulb goes off in our head and we go, that's not right, we need to pursue that light that's going off. We need to follow that light. We need to follow that trigger. John 3, 20 through 21 says this, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Most of us, we don't want to get near the light because the light will reveal what's wrong in our life. We don't want to open the word of God because we're afraid that we'll read something that will convict us. We don't want to come to church because we know that the word of God will be preached and I will have to respond to that new spiritual enlightenment that God was trying to impart to me. And I don't want to respond to that. So we're afraid to come to the light because the light exposes our condition. And that's, the, that's, people say, you know, what's hard about being a Christian? Is knowing that every time you open this book, God's probably going to point out something in your life that you need to change or do better. Not because he's looking to be judgmental, but because he wants you to reach your full potential. He wants you to shine brightly into a dark world. But that can only happen through spiritual enlightenment that comes by way of Jesus, that comes by way of the Holy Spirit, that comes by way of preaching, that comes by way of the Word of God. There are one of two types of people in the world. Can we get our next slide up? You are either a person who pays attention to these signals in your car... Or you are a person who does not pay attention to the signals in these cars. And I feel like we do the same thing in our spiritual life as we do our physical life, right? Like, like some of those, you might not even know what all of those mean. And, and some of them you might see and be like, oh man, yeah, I've been driving with the oil light on for like 10,000 miles. I'm good. But usually you'll continue to drive with one light on. But then you get two lights, and you're like, maybe I should start getting this checked out. And then you'll get a third light, and you're like, ah, this is probably getting bad, but I just don't have time. You see, a good person that takes care of their vehicle, and by the way, I need my oil changed. Like, my car notified me of that. But, it, but it, this is how they designed a car. The light goes off. You go to the owner's manual, and there's a place where you can check what that light does and what that light means, and you open it up, and it says, you need to change your oil. Oh, 
okay. And then you have one of two options. You can either go get your oil changed by a professional, or if you're relatively handy or you understand cars, you can fix it yourself. You see, the same thing happens in our spiritual life. The Holy Spirit awakens a light within us and says, hey, something's wrong. And if you have good sense, you'll go to the word of the Lord and you'll begin to study and say, hey, what does this light mean? What does this hesitation in my spirit mean? What does this caution in my spirit mean? And maybe if you don't know, you'll go to a pastor and say, pastor, I, I have this light going off. I have this reservation in my spirit going off. What does this mean? And the pastor will open up the owner's manual and he'll sit down with you and say, hey, this is where the Lord's leading you, I believe. You see, God is trying to do a work in us by exposing what is wrong, and he does that through his light. But if we're not trying to stay in tune with the light, if we're not trying to stay connected to the light, then we'll continue to spiral into darkness. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. I want you to say this one more time. I want you to say this with me, all right? There is no darkness in him. At all. Real thorough. All right. There is no darkness in him at all. The problem is, yeah, that's a good word. Well, here's what breaks my heart. I'm not sure we actually believe this. Because as Pastor Jonathan kind of said... If, if you don't know a God who is loving and forgiving and compassionate and gracious, and, and you look at God as your enemy or, or you're at odds with God, then you haven't met the God that I know. Because according to this, there is no darkness in him at all. Which means everything that he is doing in and through my life is for my good, and he wants good for me, and he wants to bring me into the light. Because there is no darkness in him. The problem is we want darkness in our gods. And that was the problem of why God hated pagan religions. Because pagan religions like Zeus and Apollos and Mars and Hercules and all that Greek mythology and all of that dwindled the gods down to the level of humanity where the gods were just as perverted and corrupt as humanity. And then somewhere along the way, we believed that our holy and pure God was something like the gods of this world. And yet there is no darkness in him. And so in engaging with God, if we see or understand there to be any darkness in a situation, we have to believe one thing, that it's come from us. If there's no darkness in him, the darkness has come from one of two places. Either the darkness of our heart or the God of this world, which is Satan. But there is no darkness in God. 
And if you could just really learn to fathom this, you would understand that God is always for you and he is never against you. God is for you. And so we once again take a look at this and we say, we lived in darkness. God is light. He sent Jesus to enlighten us. What will we choose? The gods we create mimic the nature of Satan in that they are ruled by emotions such as pride and greed. This is the gods that we create. We assume that the God we serve or the God of the universe is as fickle as we are. And that's just simply not true. 2 Corinthians 4, 4-7 says this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. All right, you ready for something hard? We would... We live in a world that would rather see evil in a holy God than acknowledge our own flaws and sin. We would rather see him as evil than acknowledge that we're lost and blinded in darkness. And that's why we're not being healed. That's why relationships aren't being mended. I want wholeness for you. And you will never have it as long as you view God as just as corruptible as we are. We look to blame God for things. And then on top of that, we, we create this scenario where our evil spirits, and we say, well, God would agree with me. We say foolish things like, why does God send people to hell, or why is God so judgmental? We would rather see God as flawed than acknowledge that we have been tricked by the enemy who operates in the darkness of sin, feeding on our every weakness and insecurity. God's good. He's light, and there is no darkness in him. And so we have to process that. And we have to say that darkness is coming from one of two places. It's either coming from an external force, being Satan, or it's coming from an internal spirit that comes from within us. But it's not coming from God, because there is no darkness in him. And so we are faced and forced to wrap our heads around this idea that maybe the problem in all of this is me. Because the Bible says there's no darkness in him. So the darkness must be in me. So the darkness must be in me. This is the descent into darkness. That in our pride we blame God for what Satan has done and reject the notion that we could ever be deceived. 
I can't be deceived by Satan. I'm too good. I grew up in church. I can't be deceived by him. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. And I know that's Pastor Jonathan's heart, Pastor Jonathan's heart as well. We don't preach about Jacob, and we don't preach about Jonathan, and we don't preach about Cap City. We preach about Jesus. That's what we are called to do. And in so doing, we serve the church. Verse 6, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, which is the first thing God ever did in Scripture. He said, let there be light. Has made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is not from God, or it, that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. You still think that you're the one running the show. That's why the Christian thing isn't working for you. That's why your relationship with God isn't working for you. You still have to be in control. And the problem with you being in control is that within you lies darkness. And you say, well, Jacob, that's, that's a hard accusation to say that there's darkness in me. There's darkness in all of us. The difference between a mature Christian and someone who is a new Christian is the mature Christian has accepted and acknowledged that there's darkness and they continue to be open to God shedding light in their darkness so that they may get rid of the darkness more and more. That's what we call um, progressive sanctification or working towards sanctification. It's this idea that God will continue to reveal areas and corners of your life that need to get rid of the darkness in order to grow until you are full of light. So really, the only difference between an immature and a mature Christian is the mature Christian acknowledges that there is darkness in them, and they continue to wage war against the darkness by the name of Jesus Christ. It's something small, and it's something fragile. We are something small, and we are something fragile. But we have the potential to produce great light. We have the potential to produce great things. We have the potential to shine into the darkness and help lead others to Christ. The problem is many of us are out here trying to let our light shine for God and we're completely disconnected. We're not connected to the church. We're not connected to the word. And we're out here and we're like, let, let this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it doesn't work. Because we're alone and we're isolated and we're not connected. But you see, when we take what God has given us, no matter how weak and how frail it is, when we take it and we connect it to the source of strength and purpose, we are able to shine in unison with the body of Christ. And we are able to make a difference. 
you need to be connected. You need to get into a thrive group. You need to show up on Sundays. You need to be actively engaged in the word. The bottom line is we lived in darkness. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're still living in darkness. And you say, Here, here's, the, here's the big thing. If you say, Jacob, I don't know if I live in darkness or not. You live in darkness. Just, just straight up. Because if the Holy Spirit, if God himself has awoken the light within you, you know it. We're going to baptize a little girl today. She's six years old. And the Spirit has awakened her, has lit her up, has uh, uh, enlightened her to the things of God. She knows that. And that's why we're baptizing her. But if you're say, sitting here today and you're going, Jacob, I don't know if I'm still living in darkness. Then you are. And you need to come to the light. You need to be enlightened by the love and the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And really salvation is rather simple. Salvation is the acknowledgement that I lived in darkness. God is light. He sent his son Jesus to enlighten me. And I will choose him. I will choose the light. What I'm asking you to do today is I'm asking you to choose the light. I'm going to ask Colton to come up just real briefly. And we're going to have a, a brief moment of prayer. And then we're going to baptize a young girl. And it's going to be exciting. But I just want to take a moment here and really think about this. Whether you are saved or lost, whether you are living in the light or living in the darkness, there is one prayer that all of us could stand to pray. Lord God, reveal the darkness within me. Expose the darkness within me. Maybe even now in, in this time of preaching and teaching, God said, you know what, I know you're living in the light, but you got some darkness you need to get rid of. You got some bitterness you need to get rid of. You got some unforgiveness you need to get rid of. You got some things you need to change in your life. You got some habits you need to change. We're just going to take a brief moment. The altars are always open. Stand with us, if you will, and, and worship. The altars are open. I'll pray for you. Pastor Ed will pray for you if you need prayer. But I think we could all do better about eradicating the darkness within us. But in order to eradicate the darkness that lives within us, we need to ask God with a humble heart, Lord, what is the darkness that still dwells within me? Because I want to be filled with your light. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord God, I pray that if there is anyone here today, Lord God, that is living in darkness, I pray that they would come to an altar of prayer and find you. Lord God, I pray that if there is someone who is living in the light, but God has done a work in their heart and said this is a darkness that needs to be removed, Lord God, I pray that you would bring them to an altar of prayer. But Lord God, your spirit and your light cannot dwell where there is darkness. And so we pray that you would eradicate the darkness within us. 
Maybe it's a darkness that has sat there dormant for years. Lord, we want to get rid of it. And we get rid of it by bringing it to you, Lord God. So, Lord, I pray that you would reveal what is dark within us. Because we serve a God where there is no light in him at all. And so we praise the holy name of Jesus who came to enlighten us of our sin and our wickedness. In your name we pray, amen.